I did not set out to be a writer. I randomly started blogging and I, I was not a journalism major. My career started because I was a blogger because I just wanted to, I always enjoyed writing. But I think the first person that had that impact on me was Nora Ephron. Her writing was where I like, oh, you can talk about personal things and you can swear or be snarky. You can make it whatever you want and you can make it in your voice. Mom, 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 mommy, mom. Yes, what? Slow down. Sound familiar? I get it. Mom life is demanding. There are no off hours, the pay is minimal, and your bosses are relentless. But there is a way that you can start giving back to the most important person in your life. You. As a mom of four, I get what it's like, but I promise you can start to enjoy life more, take time for yourself, and cultivate a sense of inner peace that all your friends will notice. My name is Jessica, and I'm the host of the Mom Slowdown Podcast, where we will tackle topics important to us moms, discover the clues to healing and happiness, and take time just for us. Thank you for joining me on this journey to a happier, healthier, more satisfied version of you. Looking for even more joy? Check out my membership site at jessicanicole.love. Indulge in a yoga class, sip on a glass of Cabernet, or challenge your skills in the kitchen. But remember, mom, slow down. Leslie Bailey is the co-founder, CEO, and editor-in-chief of Indie Maven, a lifestyle media company and community for women in central Indiana. Indie Maven offers an engaging website with free editorial content, a weekly newsletter, and a membership program, events, community, and so much more. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. So excited. I am also a member of Indie Maven, so I have to say. So exciting. So this platform to connect other women, what you obviously saw a need in our community that wasn't being fulfilled. How has Indie Maven kind of fulfilled that need? Yeah, I felt that it started with a gap as far as editorial content went. We, my co-founder and I are both journalists and that's our background. So what we really wanted to see was content that we felt was created for us, right? And we just didn't see a lot of that. It felt like people were not reporting and talking and writing about the things that we cared the most about. And so it started wanting to fill that content gap, but then it really quickly evolved to realize, oh, it's not just content. That's what we know as our background, but it's really an actual sense of community that's missing. And we have a lot of groups, but everything's really like isolated. And so we wanted something that felt like it encompassed and pulled all of the great things that women in our community are doing into together in one place. And so how do you think you've accomplished that by bringing all this? Because there, I know there's like little one-off groups and, and being able to kind of not have any one certain specialty, but really being welcoming with open arms, whether you're into health and wellness or medicine or photography. I mean, it, it encompasses so many different backgrounds and interests and stay-at-home moms and all kinds of great things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're just getting started. I think we, in the first year of our launch, talked to like all the big names that you hear about, right? In our city, as far as like organization goes, right? We we talked to Visit Indy and Indiana Conference for Women. And like, we have these great relationships and we have great advertising and brand partners, but we, I think we've only scratched the surface, but my absolute favorite thing about what we do is that when a woman says like, oh, I didn't know about that. Oh, I had never heard of her. Oh, I've never met her. Like that connection is worth everything to me. So as we continue to see those build, but that also, that said, we're big city. Like we think sometimes that we're a little city, but there's a lot of women here and a lot of groups and a lot of organizations. So that has to build over time, but I think we're off to a really good start. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I would say so. Were there other organizations that you kind of modeled your platform on and, and were inspired by? Quite a few. So I used to go to London a lot and there's a publication called Stylist and it was a free publication you would pick up at the airport, at the metro. I would pick that up every time. I just loved it because I loved that it had a balance of lifestyle and fashion and fitness, but they'd also talk about feminism and women's issues and like heavier things. And I thought that's like the kind of thing I wish we had here because I think we often have things that are just very heavy and very serious or very light and very fluffy. I want both. I think women are both. Like we have many different sides to us. And so why do we have to piecemeal all these things together? So selfishly, I was like, I want this in one place. And I think if I do, then lots of other women do too. So that was like a big inspiration. And I also really admired, they do a lot of in-person events that are really unique concepts. And so I've looked to them for inspiration a lot. Now, granted, London is a much bigger city than Indianapolis. So I had to scale it down, but that was one of my favorites. I love that. Have you had like a favorite connection or favorite story out of since launching Indie Maven that just kind of sticks out in your mind? Oh, that's a really good question, actually. You know what? I'm going to say just because I'm here. So I'm at a friend's house right now and her name's Laura and she actually is based in Brooklyn, but married a man that's here. And when she was moved here, she was kind of looking for resources and things and to get to know her new city. And she hit, she found any Maven and then she hit me up on LinkedIn and we just started talking right before COVID hit. And we started talking weekly and we built an entire friendship over the course of over a year without having ever even met in person. And now we have this beautiful friendship. So like on a selfish perspective, that's, that's one that's obviously very prominent in my brain right now, but I don't know that we would have ever connected. And now she's such a great friend. I love that. And it is about connection. I mean, I think that's what we lost in COVID is Many of us were kind of go and go and go and we didn't realize until it was stripped away and like oh, craving human connection, you know, being in each other's presence and, you know, Zoom calls just don't get it done. Mm-hmm. So I love that you were able to foster a friendship and all of that. Yeah. And I, I mean, every in-person meetup that we had prior to COVID and the few that we've been able to have since, I mean, minimum five women come up to me and go, oh my God, I made a new friend tonight. Or I see that they later made the connection online or in our Facebook group. So I think that is the biggest thing because I think when women come together, they do so many amazing things versus if we're just trying to do things on our own. I love that, which is so true. And have you seen, it has been my experience in kind of getting back into the business world and launching my app over the last year and the podcast that the pouring out support of women that I've never met from all over the country has really almost taken me to my knees in gratitude. And being a woman that started her career, I was 19 in the commercial development of real estate, which was all men. The women I ran into were very brass ballsy, you know, not very welcoming and opening. I mean, that's my, there was a big break when I had kids before I got back into the working world, but coming back, I feel so refreshed at how, and whether it was the pandemic or it was just the air of women in business is like, no, wait, if one succeeds, we all succeed. And really working on lifting one another up. Have you found that kind of change? And did COVID affect that, do you think? Yes. And yes. And that's something my husband and I were talking about not that long ago, because he made some comment about, gosh, women can be so nasty to other women in business. 
And I'm like, okay, let's, that's not, not true. They can. But I also said, well, why is that? Do you think? And he's like, I don't know. They're women. Right. And, and, and he is not that kind of guy, but he's like, I don't know. It's just, they're women. I'm not a woman. I don't know why that is. I started talking about it and I said, well, think about it. And this is like a systemic situation, not to be all jump on the patriarchy, but women live, I think a lot of women, especially in business and especially in industries that are male dominated, right. There's a scarcity mindset. And so I have to right protect. If I want to get ahead, I have to be protective. I have to have my defense up. I have to make sure that I am on all the time and I'm thinking on my feet and I am looking out for me because that's the world that as a woman you live in because it is harder. And so I understand why that is, but I think over the last year and maybe because COVID did take some of that toxicity out of the culture a little bit so we could all reset and go, oh, phew, okay, let's regroup here. And then I think women were able to get some perspective and, oh, oh, wait, it's not the other woman that's my enemy here. There are other things at play. And so I think, too, we all had more time, right? There was a lot more media, but we also saw, saw coverage like aside from politics, we saw coverage in the media where we saw what happened when women got together and did really cool things. And we were paying more attention because we had the time. That's interesting. You know, time is a factor. You know, I, for me, I was like, okay, we were stripped of everything we thought we knew, you know, all that comfort level. But you're right. I mean, having the time to slow down and really start to be an observer of the world, which we all kind of were forced to do. We were watching it from the fishbowls of our houses mm-hmm. you know, and being able to then come out of that and make conscious choices of, you know, how we present ourselves in business, how we present ourselves in friendships and relationships. A lot of friendships, marriages, companies dissolved over that time for all kinds of reasons. And a lot got really stronger. And the people that you kept close in your inner circle got closer. And I think, you know, that value shift was really important. Yeah. It was a much needed change in perspective, I think, across all of those things, but particularly in that topic. So as a journalist getting into that field, was there something that you read that you're like, yes, this is why I want to be a writer? Was there something that changed your life to kind of take you down that path? I did not set out to be a writer. I randomly started blogging and I I was not a journalism major. My career started because I was a blogger because I just wanted to, I always enjoyed writing, but I think the first person that had that impact on me was Nora Ephron. Her writing was where I like, oh, you can talk about personal things and you can swear or be snarky. You can make it whatever you want and you can make it in your voice. And so that was the first person I recall. And then later, like learning about other authors like Mary Carr, I would say it was more authors that influenced from the writing perspective. And then I kind of stumbled upon journalism and I liked the part about asking questions and I like sharing information, I realized. And so that's a thing, right? It took my writing, my love of writing, and then I got to share information with people. So those two things combined, I think it just was like a good, I don't know, formula for me. I love that. What was your path in college prior to picking journalism? I was a communications major. Okay. All right. So that still makes sense. Yeah. My dad worked in racing. So I moved to Indy to just figure out like, oh, I could live with him while I finished out, you know, finished up school. I had worked at a lot of law offices. So I was kind of just doing that, trying to figure it all out. And that's when I started blogging. And then that just kind of snowballed into my career. I love that. And you have children, right? Yes. I have a one-year-old as of yesterday, oh my a, a three-year-old, and then an 11-year-old stepson. All right. Full house. Do you have a daughter? No girls. Oh, all boys. Yeah, it's a big issue. 
(laughs) Interesting on having this kind of very female-centered, female-focused company publication and, you know, having all of the energy surrounding by men. Do you see of like being able to teach your sons and lift them up in a world where men and women are equal? I mean, is that important to you? Yeah. And I am fortunate to have a partner that believes that too, you know, so it's not just me that works all day and then comes home and make dinner. We split dinner during the week, right? There are just little things like that. Like our sons are all going to grow up going, oh, it's not just, it's not just moms that cook dinner during the week. Which is so important in reframing that whole idea of roles and values. And so many women are in the workplace, but that very old kind of idea of the women's places in the kitchen still exists. And we're, I mean, I'm running around, I happen to go to culinary school, which is a blessing and a curse. Yeah, sure. And I enjoy cooking, right? But that doesn't mean it should be my sole responsibility when we both work and we both have responsibilities. And, you know, it was only something in the last year, I think during COVID where I was like, Hey, why am I the only one doing this? My husband was like, I don't know. And I said, can you do half? And he's like, sure. That was it. And women are like, how'd you get your husband to do that? And I said, I asked him. That's all I did. And then as of that day, we started splitting at 50-50. Which I think is important to point out. It's okay to ask for what you want. Oh, I think yeah. a lot of us kind of want run around like, okay, what is this super sleuth way to get you know our husbands to do this or our kids to do this or our friends to do this? And it's like, sometimes just expressing your needs and I feel statement and asking for what you want is just that plain and simple. So powerful. I think we overcomplicate so many things. To the point about being surrounded by women too, I was not the girl that grew up like with, I had a very core group of girlfriends kind of from different groups, but I was not in a typically girl. I wasn't a cheerleader or in dance troupe or anything like that. I kind of dabbled in all of it. I'm in some ways a little sad. It took me so long later in life to realize the benefits and the power of being surrounded by other women. And I just, I think that's, I'm so thankful now that I have that realization and that experience, but it definitely helps balance out the fact that I am in a house full of testosterone. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We're the opposite. So there's a lot of estrogen running through. Okay. Our- <laughs> yeah. Is there a, f- a female business that really inspires you, whether it's a product, a service, something that you go to that you tell your friends about? Oh, I mean, if I love something, I tell everyone about yeah. it. So people are probably just so sick of hearing all the things that I'm excited about and that I love. But I do appreciate businesses that stand up for their beliefs and that are not just in it for money. Like I had a call today with Kristen Kahn, who owns who owns Silver in the City. Like I think they're a great brand and there's a reason they've been around for 20 years, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love people who are willing to take risks. So I don't know if you've heard of the company Bitch Sticks, but she does chapsticks, yeah. right? And like SPF and all these different things. Well, we featured her once in something and she wrote a note later saying, you know, thanks for featuring me. A lot of people don't want to. And also an important part of that product is that she gives a portion of proceeds back to domestic violence survivors. And so I, when she wrote this note saying, thank you, people often don't want to feature me because of the name of my business. And I was like, that's ridiculous. I have read three national bestsellers in the last month that have F-bombs all over the place. So I think we can like get past the name bitch sticks, right? Yeah, I think we could have evolved beyond that. <laughs> and so I think it's really cool that she stuck to her guns and was like, this is the name of my business. And she has a story behind why and everyone should look into it. But like, she didn't just go, oh, people don't like it. I'm going to change it. So, I mean, those are just two off that top of my head, local examples, but I, and I think a lot of people wouldn't know that, you know, that they wouldn't go and see bitch sticks, which, you know, I've seen it before and know that there's this really beautiful backstory. It's 
just like, okay, that's a catchy name, but there's so much more if you take the time to dig into it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. My brain is just like a Rolodex though of, of those things. I love filing referrals and recommendations away. Yeah. There's a friend of mine that has a jewelry design business in Chicago. She's Dana Rebecca and then she does female founded Fridays and always features these really new products. And it's like that. I was like, and they're the cutest things. I'm like, Oh, I would have never found that and stuff for the girls. And you know, just promoting other women, which, you know, is obviously what it's all about. All right. So this is a question I ask everybody just about self-love, self-care. And I think it's important to like run the gamut of what that looks like for everyone so that anyone listening can be like, oh, take these little gems and maybe stick that in their toolbox and see if, pull it out and see if that works for them. So what does that look like for you? Wow. I'm very passionate about this subject. And I think I'm starting to come off across as the person that's like anti-self-care and that is exact opposite of what I'm saying. But I really have, I kind of, take umbrage with the fact that industries are sort of using the concept of self-care almost against women or to sell products, or I have issue with what that has become. And I'm actually been working on an essay about this because I can't get this out of my head that we tell women, so for example, the bubble bath, oh, I take a bubble bath every week and that helps me calm down. And it's like, okay, but why are you stressed out? Oh, well, it's really because I'm the person cooking all the meals in my house and my partner doesn't do anything. And that's, you know, on top of everything else. And it's like, oh no, it's not the bubble bath you need, sweetie. It's boundaries. You need to set up some boundaries. So I think I love the concept of self-care. I just don't think it's what's being commercialized. Right. Cause it's a bubble bath and you need these salts and this pillow and these things. And it's like, all of a sudden it's just the eighties again. And we just need all the things now. Right. We're not good enough. You know, Our bucket is empty. We need all the things. And then you didn't snap like an Instagram worthy picture of it. And it's, just, that's so much pressure. So number one, I think it's a bandaid for things like, yes, absolutely take baths. But if you're having to take a bath every day, because there's some other stressor in your life, let's find out what that is first. And then you could just take a bath because you want to take a bubble bath and they're fun. Right. And they're lovely. Right. And, yeah, and mindfulness can come in that. Cause I don't think women even right, start exactly. about why the hell they're all stressed out, you know, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So like, right. Let's get to the root of why you want to drink a bottle of wine a night. Right. And that's not, and we, you know, I hear, Oh, have a glass of wine. Well, yeah. Except for now it's become a bottle and now it's, is that self-care? No, that's a whole nother issue that you've created because again, it was, it was masking something else. So right. for me, self-care is huge about, boundaries, you know, being able to say no, not over committing, which I don't always get right, but it's a lot more about the, unfortunately, the stuff that's more difficult and it's grittier. But in the, at the end of the day, I don't feel the need to constantly go take a bubble bath, drink a bottle of wine, get a manicure. Da, da, da. I love all those things, but just because I like them, not because it's like, I need them as a coping mechanism. Sure, for sure. I mean, the coping mechanisms come in so many different, you know, exercise can turn into an obsession and, a, you know, coping mechanism sure. because you get high in the endorphins and all the other great things. And I think you're the first person that's come on in two seasons and said, really, what's underneath all of that? Mm-hmm. You know, or what self-care really is, is taking care of the self and all of these things are great. And yes, those are avenues you know, back to the self of being able to slow down and whether it's yoga and meditation and, you know, enjoying a nice meal or being with friends or whatever fills your bucket. But coming back to the point of you're the only person that can man this ship, you know, so you're the only person that can either give all your energy away or reserve some for yourself. Yeah. 
And, you know, and, and someone just said like, no is a complete statement. Yeah. Like you don't yeah. need to give anybody an explanation. And I think too, in the pandemic, I've always been a big proponent of no, it's like my favorite word. Like, no, nah, you know, I'm just not feeling it because I know I want to show up authentically to something. And if I overcommit or if I go in, I'm kind of hateful before going, I know I'm not, it's not good energy to bring anywhere with me. So I need to honor myself and I'm just not feeling it. I got to honor that. Yeah. And being mindful, like you even, you know, you said something about going out to dinner with friends. Okay. Well, we just automatically do that. We on autopilot, I need a night away. I'm going to go out to dinner with my girlfriend. Okay. But let's think about that. Are those relationships when you walk away, do you feel drained and kind of down or annoyed, or do you walk away feeling motivated and ready to take out the world? I have all of the above, right, in my life. So I have to make sure that I'm not going to necessarily end that friendship, which some people might advise, but I just have to be mindful, like, is this the time and space to be around this person based on where I am, right? So it's not just about the dinner. It's about who, you know, who you're having the dinner with and to, you know, being mindful, as you said. And I think it's so important and not just kind of autopiloting through life. So thank you for sharing. That's very brave and vulnerable and not the easy answer. Right. So the easy answer is, I wish it was the easy answer. It's definitely right. But, but it's the one that takes work, but the, you know, that's where that but it has the greatest payoff too, right? Again, for all intents and purposes, I should be a very, very stressed out person. And not to say I don't have my moments at all, but like I have done the work to get to the core root of the any issues and like structure. And again, it's a work, everybody's a work in progress, right? But I'm fortunate enough to say like that work that I did early paid off now so that when I am have three kids in my house and I'm running a business and I'm starting another business and all this stuff, it's like, I'm, I'm managing it. Watch in a month, I'll be like having a nervous breakdown, but, <laughs> but that's fair too, right? You're on that breakdown. I mean, you know, life has got its ups and downs and the growth is in the struggle and it's not always easy. And sometimes it comes really naturally to be like, say no or set boundaries. And sometimes it's harder. It just depends where you are in this journey, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. yes. but Leslie, where can they find more about Indie Maven to become a membership? Talk about the membership a little bit. Yeah. So IndieMaven.com and we're just at Indie Maven on all the social medias. The membership program has just become something that I must admit, I've said this, it's just, it was a little bit of an afterthought, like right before we launched. And now it is the it is like the why right like it is the whole reason behind this and again so when we have we have private member meetups that are just for our meetups but we also have public events and watching the connections that are made and women and going off and doing collaborations together or that is really what it's all about so we have monthly memberships that's either 9.99 a month or 99.99 a year so a price point where you come in you get discounts with our partners you get discounts on additional event tickets you get access to those private groups with the other members you get the members only events like we really we're about to launch relaunch we used to do a small member gift we're actually about to relaunch doing a much more exciting member gift so that's coming we're really putting a lot more focus into that membership because after, to your point earlier, the last year and a half, I'm going, oh, this is like, this is the stuff. This is the stuff that matters. And so really trying to make that the best experience it could be because I believe in the power and the purpose behind the why. Why?